Louis and I are absolutely thrilled to be joined by two of our brilliant colleagues, Effie Otakiti, who is an editorial manager and has been at Harvard since April 2019, and Amira Williams, an absolutely brilliant account executive who joined just a little bit before, joined the team back in March 2019. The topic we're going to talk about today is race in the workplace, looking at our individual experiences, the impact of the most recent Black Lives Matter movement, how the industry is responding and how we maintain momentum, both individually and as an industry. For this conversation, both Effie and Amira have come armed with their own questions, so it won't just be Louis and I firing them off. Um, and I think before we jump into the topic fully, it would be absolutely brilliant if you could just both introduce yourselves and maybe give us a bit of a career overview um, to get things going. How about you, Amira? Thanks, Ellie. I'm happy to be here. Um, so as Ellie said, I'm Amira. Um, I started working at Harvard back in 2019, um, graduated uni uh, in July 2018, and I actually started my career in PR working on the Taylor Bennett Foundation. Um, so I worked a little bit in corporate comms and that kind of gave me an insight into the industry itself. I then did a six-month internship at Ketchum in the consumer beauty PR team. And then I wound up here and working in B2B tech PR and a little bit of B2C. Awesome. And I'm Effie, um, editorial manager. I also joined around the same time, like you said. Um, I've been here, uh, gone from editor to editorial manager since I've started here. Um, before I started here, I worked for another company, uh, an events company, where I... Uh, uh, manage their data recs, so all their like tech comms um, articles and stuff like that. So um, and before then, it's kind of I was freelancing for a little while, but before then, my career wasn't really in editorial. It was um, I did a bit of sales beforehand, worked for the um, Earthquake Commission in New Zealand for for a little while. Um, but yeah, so um, this is uh, this the last three four years have really been my uh, career in editorial. So yeah. Amazing. Well, look, thank you both. And thank you so much for coming on to Heard at Harvard. Um, I think a place to start maybe, um, and I think we'd all love to just hear a little bit about your own personal experiences um, of race in the workplace. You've both written some uh, really inspiring blogs in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think that feels like a really good place to start the conversation. So maybe starting with you, Effie, if you could just talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um in the workplace. Well, yeah, like I, I, I mentioned in that, that piece I wrote yeah, last week, um, for the most part, uh, I've had uh, just generally quite great experiences in the workplace. I think um, I think things that reflect uh, the time you'll have at work are generally, whether you're an affable, nice, <laughs> kind of easygoing person, which uh, definitely is kind of the side I, I think I'm on. But um, but there's obviously been incidents, I would say. But generally speaking, I'd say um, when it comes to racing in the workplace, it's more around um, just the general sense of discomfort. Um, uh, people just kind of not really feeling comfortable talking to you. Um, there's this like uh, kind of sense of pretending like nothing's changed, whereas, you know, obviously something has changed and this kind of uh, not, uh, not acknowledging it's not necessarily that you want someone to acknowledge that you're different, but there's there's a there's a sense of just not acknowledging your exist your existence in a in a weird way. I'd say that. Um, I think um, that quote. I actually went into your um your uh, your LinkedIn this morning, Louis, just because there's that quote you used in and that piece, which has always just stuck with me. The um, uh, racism in the UK is kind of like rain, fine and almost indecipherable, but over time it's uh, consistently applied itself to the bone. I think that's kind of where. It, um, I kind of I kind of feel about it. It's never any never been any one big incident. 
Um, I've had a couple of weird managers or like people, who, you know, but there haven't really been incidents, but it's more just kind of like chipping away at you a little bit every day, especially if you're not in a great, um, if the company doesn't have a great culture, generally speaking, um, you could imagine that the, the way their, their race relations will also be quite rubbish if um, other things about their culture are rubbish. So, um, so yeah, so I'd, I'd say that. I'd say it's um, been generally... Uh, I would say it's been defined by just the kind of discomfort that um, leadership has had towards me, which is ridiculous. I'm I'm delightful. So, (laughs) yeah, anyway. What about you, Amira? Um, I'm still, like, new to the working world. So I guess part of the reason why I haven't had a bad experience of race in the workplace, but um, race in the workplace as a topic is always something I'm very conscious of. Um, I was aware for probably like a couple of months that I was the only black female in the office and I'm aware that if I go to different places for interviews that um, I might not be accepted because of like the colour of my skin Um, and I've heard of other people's bad experiences at other workplaces um, and aware like that it happens even though it hasn't happened to me necessarily but I think even a testament to that point is I opened my point by saying like I haven't had a bad experience of race in the workplace when actually you shouldn't be having bad experiences in the workplace but I can't actually say that race has ever been um, a positive topic to talk about um, it's always a difficult conversation and nothing for a while it seemed like nothing positive has come from a topic on, on race um, so it's good to that we're able to kind of change that narrative and not make it so heavy and difficult to talk about all the time. And your um, your final project at university was called Whitewashed, is that right? Where you looked at industries that were heavily uh, underrepresented in terms of, of, of black voices. Did the PR industry stood out for you as part of that part of that work, right? So I did that before I started working in PR, but I think when when I look back at it now, I just see how, although the points I was kind of making were very kind of like almost something that I just kind of discovered on my own, like, oh, actually, we're not represented in this area. We're not represented in this area. Having started working in PR, you see even more how true it is in the real world as well and not just in a piece of photography work that I've created like it's something that we go through daily um so I always look back to that piece and think actually that was just probably the starting point of me starting to talk about it more openly and freely with others Mm. amazing okay and what would you it's a broad question probably but what would you like to see the industry do more of Amira it would definitely have to be around just not making the conversation's difficult. I think when people start a conversation, they're like, oh, it's always so difficult to talk about. But if you open it that way, I think you want it to be a difficult conversation when actually, in fact, it doesn't have to be. Um, I want there to be like more positive conversations and the industry to not shy away from acknowledging the issue. Uh, I know programs like the Taylor Bennett Foundation have been going for years and are trying to implement this change, but you just, having gone through the program myself, Um, And being, I don't even know what number cohort we're on now, but just seeing how long it takes to actually implement that change and for black people and other ethnic minorities to rise up through the ranks um, in in agencies. Um, 
you just you realize like how important it is that we start this change as early as possible and keep it sustained I think another part of it is acknowledging that um, race and diversity are sort of intertwined and they can actually support each other um, if you're if your agency's goal is to we want to be more racially, which I don't think your goal should just be, we just want to be more racially diverse or um, we want to make sure we have a diverse culture. Those two go hand in hand and can really support each other. Um, and your goals to achieve those different things uh, can help you get there faster. I think that's what I'd like to see. I was watching a, um, a, a, it was a, a training course, actually, it was a session by Verna Myers, who's the VP of, a VP of Inclusion Strategy at Netflix. And that point around it being such a difficult, awkward conversation and, and looking at where that comes from. And she was talking about the fact that the vast majority of people are not, are not racist. And so the way that they approach the conversation, and we've, we had it, we've, it's been ingrained in us that you just don't talk about it. You don't talk about difference. That's the way to appear not racist, to just not talk about it and pretend it's not there, pretend it doesn't exist as a difference. And she talked really eloquently about the fact that actually we're moving into a period, what's, ha- what's accelerating now is a period where we start to celebrate that difference and acknowledge it um, and... And that, and that means we're now pushing ourselves into what feels like very difficult, awkward conversations, but it's come from this place of we'll just ignore the difference. And now we're trying to, and now we need to, you know, we need to celebrate the difference and that shift from making it a difficult conversation to a really open, normal, empowering conversation, which I think really spoke to me and she sort of described it like that. Effie, what, what would you like to see more of? Obviously, agree with most of what Mira just said. Um, I think, I think for me, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot more basic. I think, I think a lot is done just through simple proactivity. If you acknowledge there's an issue, if you acknowledge that you want to do something about it, from um, and you and you engage the right elements of your company because I, th- I feel like most of the answers will already be internal like if you almost exactly like what you did Louis, during um that early on at the start of um the blm stuff and you know i could you know you weren't entirely sure of the best way to approach it but you definitely wanted to do something and you just go all of us in a meeting and you're like what would you like to see and i think i think just degrees of that people just I think the reason so so little progress has been made is this kind of um, this this trap, this apathy trap we've got everyone in, where it's like if you um, if you're not racist, why do you care so much? Like if you're not racist, don't make a big deal out of it. Let's all just pretend we're all the same color of a page and like nothing's wrong and nothing's there's there's there are no problems and it doesn't seem like any of the black people in our office are complaining, so it's fine. Everything's fine. Everyone's happy and everyone's getting a paycheck and it's, and it's this. Um, and that's like, it's a dynamic that I feel definitely on, on my part of it, I never really want to shake up. I never really want to bring attention because because the, the practical <laughs> the practical reality is if I, if I was, the, if I, any, any one of the former companies I've been in, if I was like, I want to, I want to talk about race. I think we should do more Black History Month. Even if you took it a bit lower, like, I want to do something for Black History Month. What would end up happening is you'd be like, oh, well, you're the Black person here, go and sort it out. And it's like, I'm doing this for myself, you know, is, is, what's the point? And um, so I think if, um, if there's just a level of, of 
genuine appreciation for the issue, for wanting to do something, for wanting to make a change. I think about how much change has happened in just Harvard just over this last year. And it's not like any of us have like quit our main parts of our jobs to start working on diversity and inclusion initiatives. But we've done we've done an incredible amounts in just a few months. And and I'm really excited to know what to see where to see where it heads in the future. But if you're not doing anything, nothing's going to change. So in my, yeah, to, to answer your question, what I would like to see in the industry is just more companies making that decision to be like, we want to be on the right side of this. We want to figure it out. We're not doing this for um for the month or for like um, this round of news and stuff. We're doing this because this is the kind of company we want to drift in towards and acknowledging that there is an issue. I completely agree with that. I think that um, it's a, a long-term uh, challenge that we all kind of need to face into and I think from a leadership perspective I think it's about putting foundations in place and um, and uh, I, I find the having difficult conversations thing um, quite interesting because I love I don't mind having difficult conversations and actually if I can have a difficult conversation uh, about this so that um, black people don't have to be uh, uh, carry all of that stuff every time, then I'm happy to do that. And I feel that's that's not happy. That should be my role in this, um, being able to kind of go, well, I'll have the difficult conversations and I'll push the agenda and I'll try and do it so that it is as many people as possible and make it easy for people to get kind of involved. Um, and I think it, it has been a, a, a more challenging time around race, mainly because Black Lives Matter, but also because... Um, other areas of diversity have gone so much further already. Um, uh, gender diversity, LGBTQ, I'm not saying all that stuff's perfect, but um, those, uh, those groups, if you want to call them groups, have got really good representation at senior levels. And we just don't simply have that um, with uh, ethnic diversity in the PR industry. So um, it was Rax Lakhani who, um, who, who came on and he talked about it being an urgent requirement, which is why you kind of need to give it a... Uh, a push and a sustained effort that that doesn't that's just embedded into your business not something that just kind of you do for one month because then because uh, that's just not doesn't doesn't work does it yeah I've, I've always been just baffled by the whole idea um, well not baffled but the whole idea of it being a difficult conversation in my head it, like I've always interpreted it as um dealing with issues regarding your race or with regarding your your ethnic ethnic group is difficult for us to do so we don't really want to do it and i that's the only way i can really translate a difficult this this idea of difficult conversations because that's ultimately what it comes down to because it's not hard for anyone of any ethnic um, minority to talk about their race or to talk about their experiences it's hard for other people to um, reconcile that with the lack of um effort they've put in really like if you're a company and you're asking people in your company to, to to talk about their issues and they're pointing at things within your company and you're not willing to really do the effort to to, to change it it's going to be a very difficult conversation because like oh yeah i understand that you're dealing with oppression but we are, we're busy so um it's, it's not great but um anyway i had i did have um a question for you guys which i kind of just thought about this morning which was um like have if you've ever experienced discrimination and, and and what kind of discrimination it was like and and like how it, if it changed you in any way or if it's just something that you kind of don't really give like you know it's just like someone lying to you like it's just another kind of thing that happens very rarely 
I'll, I'll go first, Ellie. I mean, um, we we went through for listeners. We went through a a, um, a process with an organisation called Bain to Boardroom, which um, where everyone talked about their uh, experience of race, which was just um, a really interesting way of finding out where people were with it. And uh, I kind of the the I haven't I can't say I've faced discrimination personally. Um, uh, I'm a very uh, privileged guy um, I'm in a really good position um, uh, and so from that perspective I came from a very um, uh, I wouldn't say deprived but we were not a rich family um, uh, and I went to a normal comp in inner city London so I never thought you know I had a, uh, uh, a thing about race because um, every, you know, everyone I knew we were all just a big mixture of people um, we used to we used to um, uh, climb into the Queen's Club tennis club. We used to climb over the wall and play on their courts at six, seven o'clock in the morning, and then we'd get chased out because we weren't members. And my best friend at the time was a chap called Lloyd, and we'd get chased out by the by the groundsmen, and they would always identify us by the black one and the white guy, and they'd be like, "You get the black one," and then we'd all run out, and uh, and that that kind of stuff when we were together just used to happen all the time um but we never even talked about it or or and it was only now recently where i've actually thought about thought about it because it was it never felt like my problem um and uh and uh we were kind of in it together but um it was acknowledging that and that kind of discrimination all the time that low level stuff all the time like the rain you were talking about and uh so that's where I kind of saw it. And I, when I look back, it happened all through school, it happened all through um, uh, uh, kind of uni. And it comes from the fact that as white people, we don't, we, 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 we don't get taught in schools. When we then talk about race, it's about black civil rights in America. It doesn't address anything that happened here. Um, and it's only really recently when I've really kind of started to challenge that in my own head. And uh, um, so I guess, that's where that's where I've kind of experienced it. From my perspective, I, I would say I'd have to answer yes, just in terms of being a woman in a woman in business, um, a woman in tech PR. Um, so, but but I, but never never aggressively, never overtly. Um, um, I think uh, is, there's always been a series of of microaggressions, um, just as sort of assumptions, unconscious bias about sort of women in, in leadership positions. Um, I think actually where I noticed it was more, more junior in my career um, and I started my career in, in London agencies. And then I moved to the Middle East um, for three and a half years. I lived in Dubai and, and, and worked around the region there. And for the first time ever actually encountered a truly multicultural melting pot PR industry um, and actually uh, was a huge learning experience for me uh, in lots and lots of different ways but I was probably more 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 respect I felt more respected and more powerful as a woman in PR in those three and a half years in in the Middle East and it totally supercharged my career because I came back a stronger more powerful woman than I than I left um and I I was given so many more opportunities and 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 the fact that I was a woman just generally genuinely didn't seem 
to matter, which I hadn't expected. I wouldn't necessarily have spe- have expected that, which you know is my own um, was probably a wrong a wrong assumption in the first place. But um, I learned so much, opened my eyes in so many ways. But I was also given so many opportunities that I came back a very very different person. Um, and so it was probably much more early in my career. And then I've 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 always since then I've always found that I've worked with people who have who have like like Louis who have made it their business to um champion me wherever possible which has been amazing this question uh this question is a bit it's not it's not loaded it's just it's purely I'm, I'm curious and i say this from the perspective of like someone who doesn't fully even know the answer myself other than like you know what we're kind of told but like i am curious to know what it's like and what the what it feels like to to not work with many black men this is from a completely this is a completely personal question like what is your what has kind of been if if any your kind of just like default reasoning or like for why there aren't many black guys in or even just in PR like if you've ever worked in any other industry like if it's been in an office you wouldn't have run into many black guys I know that for a fact without knowing any of your histories um so yeah like does that is that just something you just kind of just you know like I say things are normalized when you're just kind of in it all the time it's just something you never really thought about did you ever like just have a have a have a, like a kind of default reason for a reason for why and and just like yeah and and, and experience is just generally if um just working with I guess winding up to just BAME individuals like, like what's it been like in in the past and has has any of those interactions made you ever ever given you I'm asking too many questions I know but have any of those reasons um interactions ever like giving you like maybe like a working theory for why there aren't a lot of black people in the industry or is it just kind of like a sad thing that's happening yeah, um, I think there's two parts to 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 to, to your question. There's the kind of industry thing and why what why um, uh, it's underrepresented um, for Black people. Um, and I think we've talked about it in the past, which is and then the second part of the question, which is our our experience and why, which is a really 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 interesting way of asking it. Um, so the first one around the industry, I think that generally the agency industry. Um, works for corporate businesses, big corporate businesses generally. And those corporate businesses are generally very, very kind of white, middle-class, male-led, for, 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 for good or for bad. And I think we uh, echo uh, and are, have built our businesses in the image of the corporations that we serve, um, which isn't a surprise, really. Um, and I don't think much thought, apart from recently has gone into uh, ethnicity uh, um, uh, at all in terms of the makeup of those businesses. Now, there have always been companies that have, um, that have, that have addressed certain audiences. Um, uh, and of course, it's not kind of unique white, but I think that's why there aren't um, uh, uh, certainly as many um, black people in the industry. Um, and then I also think we construct our agencies in a way that doesn't make it easy for people to stay, whether there's a game that's played that is invisible, um, um, that we probably don't even know we've constructed that makes it difficult for people to progress, which is kind of conversations like this is about breaking that down and um, making sure that uh, we give everyone a platform to be able to talk and be heard, and that is normalised and fine to do. Uh, I guess that kind of goes to, to, 
to, to where we need to get to. And then why, what have I thought about, or what have we thought about um, specifically black men or black people in, in, in work? If I'm being honest and I'm ashamed to say, I probably haven't thought about it that much. Um, uh, I haven't thought until recently about the structures. We can talk about, well, you know, we're, we're doing really well, we're thinking about this stuff, but breaking down the actual structures that make it possible for everybody to progress and do well and enjoy their work uh, and to feel everyone feels the same um, uh, uh, whilst kind of understanding they're all different um, is particularly is a, is a relatively new thing and I was reading your blog about black people black men in particular in offices it, it just doesn't kind of happen and there's a thing here that I've done so many different jobs I used to be a painter and decorator I used to work in all the supermarkets and uh, uh, I worked um, in garden centers in restaurants and all those industries are way more diverse than our ones but um, that's because it prob they probably pull from a socio-economic group that just isn't as affluent and so there's just more difference across those groups anyway um, you hit into the office piece and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of rules around it that are unwritten that we need to break I would echo everything Louis said but I would I, I would also say that from my perspective it was just not something I had ever questioned enough that's been a real realization uh, it's not something I'm proud of but it's been a real realization through the last six months uh, and the journey I think that everyone is on um, but it, it definitely has been the big wake-up call for me is that in the position I'm in I haven't questioned enough why some of these things are just the way they are I haven't examined it I haven't questioned it and I haven't actively done enough to try and change it um, and I think that's uh, the, that's the start of, 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 the, of the journey that we're all on um, as with the catalyst obviously being the most recent Black Lives Matter movement and that feels like it's shifted the conversation in a, in a, in a really um, powerful positive way. I'd be really interested in your both of your thoughts actually on the last six months and that shift in conversation and starting to turn talk into action and, and yeah what your reflections I guess on what you've seen and from your perspective. I guess this is not specific to black men, but black people in general. I think why representation is so important. And I know when I came off the Taylor Bennett Foundation, I was looking for where I wanted to start working. The first place we'd always go is the agency's website. And you'd have a look through there, see what kind of clients they work with. And um, there's always a little tab about our team and the culture or whatever. And we'd all look through that and it was like you pick out the, the black people or the ethnic minorities in, in the group photo that's usually on the website. And if you didn't see many, automatically you're like, mm, probably not as diverse as you probably want it to be. Um, so you'd move on to the next one. And I think how agencies present themselves is so important because when we're coming into the industry, that is the first thing we see. I guess being on the Taylor Bennett Foundation, the advantages that we've been into the agencies, we've seen what it's sort of like on a day um, and we've got to meet some of the people. But if you don't have that experience, um, all you have to go off is like these 
testimonials from clients or the company picture that's on the website and you don't know what it's like until you get there and I think that you made a really good point about like keeping that people within your agency as well like it's really difficult for agencies to do that because like it's one thing to get us there but to actually keep us into in, keep us ingrained part of the company culture is so difficult because we're too far too often just forgotten about or because no one says anything you're just like oh I'm sure they're fine because they haven't raised an issue with me or anything like that yeah yeah um uh, just kind of add a little bit um I was, from a personal perspective um I, I genuinely feel like um this this year I've uh it's just been a shift. It's been a reframing and a shift in perspective. Um, just because, like I said, I've worked in a whole bunch of different places and I kind of feel like I, I've generally put it down to, um, uh, down to, I guess, skill and just like luck to a certain extent. But like, just, I've had a quite a varied upbringing. Like I lived for a couple of years in Nigeria, my grandma and I've, you know, obviously you've raised in East London, but also went to University of Kent. So I feel like I've, I've generally over the course of my life just been open and open to a lot of different people. And I've kind of had that idea of, you know, there is a difference between us on a fundamental level, kind of dispelled from a very, really young age. But um, like, as I've gotten older, I've just kind of like changed my mindset to that is an incredibly lucky upbringing. And if, if that is what it takes to get more black people into the office, um, into the into businesses, then that's a ridic- ridiculously high bar to to try and to try and get over for most people because most people just you know have been born and raised in one place, especially if there's socioeconomic factors in there. So um, so it's just made the the challenge and from it's just expanded it massively from this this is this one my one person um you know challenge and each each success is like a personal success to just kind of seeing. The, the issue is such a, uh, a much bigger issue and and just kind of trying to figure out how I kind of fit into all of that and how I can help in or in, in any way whatsoever. So, so yeah, anyway, that's uh, kind of my little perspective. Yeah, and um, I, I, I think that's, I think that's true. I think the representation thing um, is, is something that, that we've wrestled with because we haven't had uh, a huge amount um, well, for a while, Mira, you were the only black woman in 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 and Harvard. Hasn't been the only ever person, but um, that's why we talked to a lot of people that left when BLM happened. But 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 also, you want to make sure that you're showing off your diversity, but you also don't want to be only. Ah, oh, it's Amira. We'll talk to Amira because you know we'll make sure her photos there because then it will help us um, to do that. Which is um, which is uh, I think we call it falling at the first hurdle in one of our early, early, early conversations. Um, um, and, and, and also kind of the process we've been through to kind of get happy to just chat and do this in a more open and almost and more external way now. Um, um, and I reckon that's all just building blocks and just build it over time. We've talked um, separately outside of this about sort of the fear that this moment in time, the last six months, the really positive um, conversations and change that, that that the Black Lives Matter movement has um, has created within the industry. We've sort of talked about the fear that all of us have that it won't it won't continue and that that momentum won't be maintained. What what do you guys think? How do we keep the, the momentum going? What do you guys want to see from 
the industry, from agency leaders, from from your colleagues in order to kind of keep that momentum going? I will say, I think the last six months, I've definitely been surprised, not at just myself, but everyone else in keeping the conversation going. We've had Black Lives Matter movements before. And I think I've, from my perspective, I've done my bit and retweeted a few things, had conversations with friends about it, but that's never really lasted more than a week. <laughs> and then you kind of, the news agenda's moved on and you kind of move on because no one else really wants to talk about it. Um, but I think with this movement in particular, I think we're actually now at the hardest part of the journey in keeping these conversations going. I think people always say talking about it and initiating that conversation is the hardest part, but I actually think maintaining the conversation is. Um, I know Effie, before we, we started recording this, we talked about um, how, oh, if we did this podcast, maybe everyone's I don't know, bored of talking about this or doesn't want to hear any more about the Black Lives Matter movement or would it come across as like parading around the Black people, the Black employees around the office. But I think now it's it's important that we, that we do it and that we talk about it and that we keep talking about it um, because once this podcast is live, you just don't know who's going to listen to it and who it's going to inspire. And we just have to normalize those conversations in the workplace, remove negative connotations around um, racism and what it means to be black in the workplace. And we need to make it part of everyday conversations and champion your team to do the same. It sounds in an ideal world, we do all of those things instantly. And by tomorrow, it would be completely different. But I know that these things take years and years and years of change. But at least if we start, we can then focus on what's next. Yeah, no, um, uh, everything Amira just said, um, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think it just comes down to um, you just keep carrying on and keep on trying. And I think it's re- I think we're really lucky right now with this this blueprint that we've got. And it, feel, it feels like everyone's got like um, a little corner of the challenge to kind of take on, and it kind of it kind of builds in um kind of builds in in a, a level of proactivity and a level of engagement that even if it kind of the conversation died out a little bit all of a sudden someone's like oh but this is this thing we've been working on for the last two months and here it is and it kind of re- reignites that conversation um and i, I yeah a hundred percent i think maintaining momentum uh, maintaining the conversation is is by far the hardest thing to do. It's a big part of the reason I don't really get engaged in um I don't really do I don't really do social media stuff anymore. Like um like the whole black square um thing when it was going around. I just didn't I just didn't do it. I couldn't be asked. I didn't I didn't think it was gonna do anything. And I just generally feel like if something I'm I've I just I've gotten to a point in my life where I appreciate it. This is very exhausting stuff for me. It's very emotionally draining business talking about race and talking about my experiences talking about my experiences full stop is stressful <laughs> for me in general so so like I've, I've come down to the mentality of if I'm going to get involved if I'm going to try I'm going to try and focus my effort into things I genuinely believe are going to make a difference and stuff like writing that blog last week is there's no difference in you know like writing that from an emotional standpoint writing that blog and just kind of posting every every day on, on social media but the difference is i genuinely feel like that would make that could make a difference a lot more than um 
just like personal things. So just kind of getting involved in the company, um, uh, company's efforts. And, and if like, I don't know, if someone else got in, in touch and, you know, they, they communicated, they had something substantial they wanted to work on, I'd be happy to do that. But yeah, I think for me, it's just um, trying to trying to keep that momentum in a sustainable way. And I think that's what we, we, we've done all right this year um, as a company. We've maintained the, the chat, but it doesn't feel like we're hitting people over the head with it. At least I don't I don't feel like we are. Um, so yeah, so yeah, if anything, I'm just I'm just excited. But I think yeah, keep on just keep on keeping on will be the, the answer to, to to that question. And I guess for you, um Ellie and Louis, how do you think we can maintain momentum around this as well? Yeah, I mean I agree with everything Effie said. I think uh right at the start of this you talked about representation and um and get our culture and our business will be better with more representation from all groups of society um, um, but there is definitely an urgent requirement around ethnicity uh to kind of get that right which need, which really needs that kind of consistent um uh momentum to keep it going and then over time, we'll have better representation. Um, we'll create more senior positions, and suddenly uh, it isn't something that you need to kind of uh, force a little bit more. It's something that becomes much more natural and the fabric of the business you're in. Even if you can't deconstruct the whole thing for the industry or for the country, um, you can do it for the small part of the, the world that you live in and can influence. Um, and I think uh, that's about iteratively just doing those things again and again and again um, until it becomes second nature. Uh, but when you, when you learn something for the first time, it always takes ages. Um, it's like learning a new recipe. Um, you're rubbish when you first start, but the 50th time you make it, it completely become second nature and muscle memory and that's where we need to get to but before you can get to that we need to do it a lot a lot of times and each time will be a little bit easier and I think that's how we kind of uh, maintain momentum from that perspective. Yeah I think that that becomes about creating an environment <clears throat> built on empathy built on trust and openness um, and the ability to to have any kind of conversation that we need to have um, um, across across the business. I completely agree with Louis. I think it's about looking at certainly my 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 approach to it in terms of maintaining momentum and feeling really motivated around it is within the sphere where I can influence, which is at, at Harvard, and then as a mother, so with my son. Um, and those are the two things that I can uh, where I can affect and drive conversations and change and maintain that momentum. Um, and, and that make, you know, that, that they feel achievable and important and, and where I sort of should be focusing on. And I think represent going back to the representation point, um, recruitment, you know, recruitment at Harvard is, is, is something that we are um, completely re-engineering uh, in the next couple of months to sort of go live from January, which will, which is absolutely all about 
um, moving away from recruiting in a way that all PR agencies do. We recruit from the same talent pools over and over again, um, which just exacerbates the problem um, of representation in the industry and, and being an industry where um, anybody can thrive from any background. Um, and in fact, it's celebrated and, and welcomed and um, and required. Um, and so looking at the looking at and driving forward those areas where they'll it'll make the biggest impact. And I think recruitment into an, into agencies um, and onboarding uh, is one of those areas. So it's an area that I've really um, I've you know we're really focusing on as, as an agency. So I guess this one's more aimed at you, Louis. I know you're a pretty proactive person. So you will see this as having an end goal to an extent. Uh, what would you say Harvard looks like in three years from a DNI perspective? That's a good question. So, um, so I've thought long and hard about this, uh, and you'll have seen the um, Equal Ops survey that came through um, a couple of weeks ago, which is part of the blueprint stuff that we're going to apply for in December. Um, that will give us some baseline statistics. Um, uh, and I think there's some really interesting KPIs. This isn't about percentages of different types of people. This is about, um, have we got people into senior positions? We went through the BAME to boardroom program. Is there someone from a BAME background on our board? You know, quicker than three years, hopefully. Um, have we got our employees from those kind of backgrounds into much more senior positions and um, also, have they stayed? So, what's our retention rate amongst? Um, I'm going to hate the word "bane," but a, a black Asian mixed uh, ethnic minority people have they come from? Have they stayed around? Have they stayed for two, three, four, five years? You know, we have a five-year club. It's got 17 people in it. People have stayed for more than five years, um, and uh, there are no people of colour in that. Um, that that is like a prerequisite to get people to stick around and feel that they can really really build their career here. Um, so it's those kind of things: get people to um, much more senior levels, hire in at much more senior levels, and also um, create a work environment where people stick around as opposed to percentages. Then I think there's some really soft metrics around. Um, being happy to have conversations across all spectrums of the, the kind of DNI story, um, so that when we're on teams and and and, and someone talks about um, uh, something being racist or not racist or being sexist or not sexist, we're all happy to have those conversations, um, but they're easy to have and it's done lightly uh, and with the right intentions and that people are able to make mistakes because we all come back from different experiences. That kind of stuff is a cultural feel type of piece. All the blueprint stuff will really help with that and we can metricize it, um, but we'll know intuitively when we've got there from that perspective in the next three years, I think. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would like to see. And I would like, to, I would like people, um, if they're coming to work here, when they take that look at the website to think, Whoever they are, yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could work. I've got something to add to that, um, and 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 apply because of for those reasons as much as anything else. Well, I think I think that's probably. It feels like the wrong place to end. So I'm going to have to knock it back to uh, to Amir or Effie to just say what 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 would you like to see in three years apart from 
global domination from the two of you, I suspect. Our plan's already in the works. <laughs> Gosh, I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow, let alone three years from now. <laughs> it's hard to say, but I think we've, in the last six months or so, you've seen how far we've come already. And um, in spite of there being a pandemic and everything. Um, so three years could... I don't know it's really hard to say I think when I think back to like Taylor Bennett Foundation that's been going for years and while you are seeing the change it's very very slow and that makes me think actually this really does take a long time to actually uh, have this sort of structure implemented into agencies and it to be like normal normalized within the agencies as well but in three years I think in terms of conversations we could go a really long way and it could just be and every day it wouldn't be a separate thing or like let's have a conversation about race today it would just be a conversation that we're having today um and I think that's where I'd really love to see it go I think going back to the difficult conversations part I think other people always find it difficult but no one ever thinks like is it difficult for us to talk about and it is <laughs> it's it's hard it's um partially annoying sometimes having to talk about it and be like oh why do I have to bring this up but it's important and I think hopefully now people see how important it is that we do speak up about it um because although race can happen in the workplace it happens everywhere and it's so far rooted and ingrained in every aspect of society that now to overhaul it it needs everyone to support us in doing that change so in three years I love for those conversations to just be normal but we'll see what the next six months bring at least <laughs> that's a great point um I, I I think for me and I had a little bit of time to think about this obviously by um directing it to you Amira um was I I, I would love in three years time for me to not look back on this time and and immediately think, oh, you were so naive, Beth, thinking that all of that all of that chat was going to lead anywhere. You're a fool. That's essentially what I would know. That's 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 my only only goal. I would love in three years' time for it, for this year to be seen as like the foundation for whatever exists. Then you're like, oh, so like the I I, I feel like I'm 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 happy and fine to like um to start to go and to, to, to experience this kind of start of this journey because I feel like it's a, yeah like you said this is um this is not something that's that's just started with this you know most this latest BLM I think one of the few things I actually posted around um uh, race during the, the the BLM thing was this um video quote from this guy in the 60s um during the the, the riots they were going through the the black riots uh, for racial injustice um and it was just the, the thing that killed me. Like everything else, everything he said resonated to, to today, like 50 years along the line. But what killed me was this fact that like, he says, um, like this is something his dad's been fighting for. And this is something his granddad was that fight, fighting for. And like the idea that his kids could be fighting for this in like another year literally fills him with just distress. Obviously, he's American, so different ball game. But at the same time, it's still, it's still a challenge all around. So, so yeah, I would just, I, I I feel like every single time something like this happens, we restart, and it's like, all right, let's let's figure this out, let's figure this race thing race thing out, and then and then you know we talk and it, you know it evolves and then it dies out. And I would love this to just be the actual start in a way, and for everything kind of leading from here to just be able to build on this and not have to 
restart again and you know reappraise the situation and 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 convince people that racism may exist again like which seems to happen every single time there's um uh, uh, some some racial in, in incidents in the world so so yeah I'd, I'd love in a more practical sense i'd just love in like three years time you know oh, there'd just be more black people around more black people in the office more black people in management more black people and not just black people obviously all, all sorts of minorities but for it just not to feel like a big deal i would love i would love to be in this company and look at other companies and look at and be like oh those those poor simple Simple, like you know, they haven't they haven't evolved yet to, to the place. I remember us; we were there three years ago. That's what I would love. Amazing. Well, we're right there with you on that being what what three years will look like. And just like a genuine huge thank you for coming on, um, for sharing your experiences, for for um, sharing everything with us. It's hugely appreciated. Thank you for having us. It's been great.